0: A girl mysteriously murdered, never-ending daylight, a cop and killer who become unlikely partners? All this can only mean one thing, we're comparing Insomnia on this episode of Retro vs Remake. off the introductions Reggie. I'm Reggie Parker and I'm Dan Bielik. Welcome to another episode of Retro Retro Versus versus Remake. Remake. This is where we discuss films and their remakes. Join us as we answer the question should this remake exist. Today's films are Insomnia and as you see we are filming but we're in separate locations due to a certain virus going around these days so is, doing our is, social distancing yeah
1: cor- correct you know uh, <laughs> staying safe and keeping you safe by um, staying away from each other
0: yeah and we're having some bug issues here so Reggie's screen may <laughs> resize from time to time so bear with us there
1: That can be a fun drinking game
0: yeah every time the screen resizes you guys drink all right well, let's kick it off with the original insomnia Made in 1997, it's a Norwegian film, starring, I apologize in advance, I'm going to butcher <laughs> so many names here, starring Stellan Skarsgård, Sfri Anker Oostal, Bjorn Floberg, Giskin Armand, and Maria boinevi directed by Erik Skjaldberg.
1: I think it would be like Skoldberg, <laughs> like, something like that, Skoldberg. I'll go with
0: that <laughs> So I'm doing so bad here <laughs> screenplay by Eric Skoldberg and Nikolai Frobenus, Frobenus. music by Gear Jensen Insomnia the 2002 American remake starring Al Pacino Robin Williams, Hilary Swank Moira Tierney and Martin Donovan directed by Christopher Nolan Screenplay by Hilary Stites. And music by David Julian. Alright. Well, Reggie, what is your first experience with either film?
1: This one just missed me Uh, growing up. This is my first experience with um, either one of these films. Mm -hmm. Just imagine 1997. I was a young man. I wasn't watching a lot of foreign uh, (laughs) thrillers, as it were. I got into movies a little bit later in life, so I missed this Nolan piece uh, in 2002. I don't think I really started watching movies until college, which to date myself would have been around 2006.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I had never seen the original, but I did see the remake sometime before batman begins came out because i found out that there was a new batman movie coming out and this christopher nolan guy this up-and-comer directed it so i was like all right, i guess i gotta see some of his earlier movies and i think this was the first one i watched and i think i remember thinking oh, this is okay it was interesting but i mean it's a good thing i started with this and not memento because if i saw memento first i'd be like oh my god all this guy's movies are gonna be amazing right but um i mean it's still he's got a pretty good hit rate yeah 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 yeah, I remember watching it and thinking, okay, that was that was a movie. I wasn't really blown away by it. But, you know, I thought, okay, this guy's going to direct Batman. Why not? I think he'll do good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just watch the original for this podcast. Nice. All right. Well, they're pretty similar films. Obviously, the names and locations are different. So when I go over the synopsis, it's a very general description of all the people because nobody has the same name. So sure. bear with me. Here we go. In a small town, a young girl has been murdered. The sun does not set during this time of the year. Two detectives are brought in to help the local police. The killer left no evidence behind. The police question her boyfriend, who they are pretty sure is innocent. The girl's book bag is found. The police plant the book bag back in hopes of catching the killer. The killer does, n- the killer does return to the book bag, but finds out about the police. A chase ensues. The two detectives split up. Things get foggy, literally, and a cop is shot. The one detective chases the killer and he shoots, but he shoots his partner instead. His partner dies right there. And the killer even left the gun for the detective to pick up. The the detective does not admit to shooting his partner, but blames the killer instead. He was even able to swap the bullets for evidence. Another cop is told to investigate this shooting. The detective talks to the murdered girl's best friend. He finds out that she was sleeping with the murdered girl's boyfriend. He also finds out that she was talking to this mysterious author. Eventually, the killer author and the detective talk. The killer reveals he saw the detective shoot his partner and won't talk as long as he clears his name. An unlikely partnership is formed. Eventually they meet face to face. The killer talks about pinning the murder on the girl's boyfriend and talks how the gun would be a good way to frame him. The detective agrees. The police find out about the author and bring him in for questioning. During the interrogation, the boyfriend comes up as a suspect. The police search his house and find the planted gun. The boyfriend is arrested. Just when it seems like the killer is in the clear, he gets sloppy and eventually discovered. After an altercation with the main detective, he dies. And the fate of the detective depends on which movie you see. Okay. So, that was kind of a hard synopsis to write because there's a lot going on and... There's more going on in one of the movies than the other. So hopefully everybody that's listening to this has seen both movies. But they are pretty much the same plot-wise except for that ending. So I think the first place to start would probably be our main characters. And we have Stalin Starsgaard as Jonas Egstrom in the original, and Al Pacino as Detective William Dormer. Now, do we want to start with... This new element that was introduced in the remake, Reggie, about this uh, internal affairs investigation?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. When you're looking at Stellan Skarsgård's character, Detective Engstrom, there's there's mystery there that sort of permeates throughout the film. So before we get into any major details, I would say that he starts as more of a blank slate. Like, you know he's a professional, you know he's good at his job, which is investigating crimes like this. But uh, other than that, there's not a lot for you to work off of other than him trying to figure out the mystery initially. Al Pacino, on the other hand, <laughs> Al Pacino, on the other hand, has something that we can use as a backdrop. Like The mystery about him is a little bit more guided in the sense that we know that he's actively being investigated by his internal affairs uh, department back home in uh, L.A. So adding that element makes you wonder about the protagonist early on in a way that I don't think you, you do in the 1997 film. Like there's this, this backdrop of, is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? Is this just the department overreaching and trying to make his life harder? Or is he really a dirty cop? Mm -hmm. And that, that element is there early. Whereas, and we'll get into this, uh, the famous line from the show, we'll get into that. But, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, you start start to wonder about his motivations and what's going on with him later in the film, you know, through his actions, not necessarily against who's investigating him.
0: Yeah. Throughout the remake, there's sort of these weird interwoven cuts of these scenes not related to the current investigation, and you're not sure what they're about. You know they're related to Al Pacino's past somehow, and they're just sprinkled throughout the movie. So, yeah, there is this sort of questionable motivation that you have about him. Like, is he a good cop? On paper, it sounds like he's a good cop. People tell him he's a good cop. His partner says he's a good cop. Um, The people, the local police, um, especially the one character, Ellie, who's studied him and written papers about him, also says he's a good cop. So you, you feel he's supposed to be a good guy, but you know that there's something not quite right, and why is he being investigated by Internal Affairs?
1: Right. I, I think that you're making a good point that everyone else is very convinced that he's he's on the up and up. But he's the one that's sort of introducing this element of a uh, doubt about himself. And I think that that comes into play in um, a later scene that is connected in both films. But, you know, when when he's talking to his partner and he, he starts to make this big picture that, all right, if they if they're able to investigate us on on this or they find that find me to be basically a bad cop. Think about all of the people that I put away that are gonna get out. There's one criminal in specifically that he brings up. I don't remember the name offhand.
0: Dobbs. Dobbs. They're gonna let
1: Dobbs out
0: <laughs> I care all the people out. But yeah, there's this uh fear Al Pacino has that's bigger than the current investigation that's going right. on right now. He really feels like this is going to be an easy one. He'll just be in and out, and then he's got to deal with this internal affairs thing. So um, that's how I guess, yeah, our introductions to both of the characters. Um, and this internal affairs really plays big into the big cover-up, um, right. which is in both movies, but I think the inclusion of the internal affairs, I think it's really a good inclusion um, overall. Do we want to get into the, the killing of the partner?
1: Yeah, let's get into the killing of the partner. I am going to say that, for me, I, I'm not as gung-ho on the internal affairs part, in terms of the development of our protagonists here. It's a good motivation, and it's a good backdrop, but I think, tonally, the films are very different because of it, and also because of a lot of other choices <laughs> the original film <laughs> makes that we will get into. Oh, but, we will. We will. But... I, I like the internal affairs element because it gives you somewhere to go, but um, I also tend to be more interested in figuring it out on my own, having things open-ended and things being open to interpretation. So it's a double-edged sword. It's a good thing for driving the story along and making some of the scenes, like you mentioned, the partner death, actually mean something. But I think it also, I think American films tend to do this. There's a little bit of hand-holding that's happening, and... I'm with you, I'm going to put this in the plus side of, of things, but I, as always, have a little bit of a gripe with some of the hand-holding. We can, we can move on past that. I just wanted to make that note so the audience knows that um there's always something I'm going to hate on, and that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: fair enough. That's fair enough. I it, I remember the first time I was watching it, I didn't really care about the internal affair stuff so much, but then I guess, once I, guess I saw the whole picture, I was like, oh, it kind of really is important, and it makes sense to me, but we'll, we'll get into that, um, so... Both of our detectives, uh, Engstrom and Dormer, they shoot their partners in this this fog of this fog of war. I, I suppose you can call it. And uh, I know the internal affairs thing. It, I I really appreciated the inclusion of it because it really gave Dormer this motivation to lie and cover it up. Right. As we had said before, um, if this his partner was working with internal affairs and he was going to cooperate with them fully. And Dormer was really, he's like, how could you do that to me? He's like, no, you're going to be safe. Well, your reputation So my reputation is Lost. the problem. <laughs> um, yeah, you're welcome, Nate. <laughs> Um Yeah, so he's afraid that not only that, he's afraid of this one case, specifically the Dobbs case, but he feels like a lot of his cases will just be, like, sort of overturned, and a lot of people are going to be released from jail if his partner talks to internal affairs. So there's... um. Like underlying motivation, maybe Al Pacino shot his partner on purpose, yeah, to just to have to not deal with this anymore. Uh, the killer brings it up later. We'll talk about him, of course, but um I think it's an interesting. I think it makes the dynamic more interesting. I've, I just accidentally shot my partner, as opposed to now he has a really good reason to shoot yeah. the partner because now all those problems, which was his main focus, when, even when he was in Alaska, like he wasn't even that focused on the case he's like i got all this stuff with internal affairs and now that's right. gone he doesn't have to deal with that at all right. and that's just more motivation to not tell the truth and to possible motivation to have sh- actually shot the partner
1: totally i think in that part of the story that's where the internal affairs part shines through that it actually gives meaning to this you know in both films there's that that sort of uh, Big breakthrough where they find the uh, the deceased backpack and they use it as bait to bring out the villain. You know, you have that chase that ensues and it's foggy. Like you said, literally, it's literally foggy. He sh- shoots his partner. In the first film, you could just say, hey, my bad. You know, it was foggy. Yeah, complete um, accident. Complete accident. And there's not really a motivation to cover up the fact that he shot the partner. Mm hmm. Because I mean, the minute he tries to cover it up, things just get way more complicated than uh, than they need to for him. There's not really the question of is he a good or bad cop. It just seems to be he's he's a respected cop who happens to have shot his partner, and that could just happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So points like you m- mentioned to the remake because now Pacino, he's getting in arguments with his partner. He's yelling at him. He's saying mm-hmm. if you if you tell, we're all going down. You know, <laughs> like um. You know, like he his entire career is at stake in this one palatable moment. That I'm assuming it's an accident, but hey, maybe it wasn't. Like yeah. you said, maybe maybe this, this is the easy out. And um, like when he shows up on his partner, says, "I didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry." <laughs> we're gonna do a lot of patinos, aren't
0: we? <laughs> no, we are. Sorry in advance, everybody. But no, but that's a good point. Uh, I think he really is sort of conflicted himself. Like he's replaying the event over and over again in his head and it's like mm-hmm. was it that foggy was it clearer than he thought initially you know he, he's 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 not sleeping you know the movie's called right. insomnia so his brain's playing a lot of tricks on him maybe he did shoot him on purpose you know yeah. that question's never fully answered and i kind of like that they keep it gray right like that in the remake it's never answered in the original either but having that motivation of like if he goes away all these problems go away right that's that's a that's a big motivation to shoot somebody.
1: I think that the motivation there, great touch. It's mm-hmm. a good touch because that scene has a lot more meaning in the remake than it does in the original. So yeah, points it there.
0: Never, yeah, uh, points what? there indeed. Yeah, it, they never really give you a reason why in the original why he's covering it up. It's. It's not like he had any problems in the past, like, oh, man, now this is my third partner of shot or something, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Nothing like that ever uh, comes up. He's even asked by the killer in the original, he's like, well, why did you even lie about it? And then he just sort of brushes it. "Ah." Yeah. But you got a clear motivation in the remake with the internal affairs. So as uh, much hand-holding as that might seem, um, it's definitely good motivation to not talk or to, to discuss the truth, I should suppose.
1: Correct. And um, whether he shot him on purpose or not, in the moment, he, you know, he goes even beyond that because instead of actively trying to give this guy medical help, he basically finishes the job kind of quietly. So, um, (laughs) you you know, so whether or not it was an accident, you're you're seeing these shades of uh, Gray and Pacino early in the film that you're not seeing with uh, uh, Ergstrom, I guess um yeah yeah Ergstrom is still to this point, and what's a major scene in um the remake to this point irstrom is he's still really who is he you know who is this guy and that's that hasn't been answered yet in mm-hmm. a way that has been answered in this first film, so early on we know what we're getting with al Pacino and it makes just so much more sense that he has his stress back home. He, he now has his stress here. They shot somebody. The sun's always out, and now he's starting to question his own motivation. And it's not even just in that moment of whether he meant to shoot his uh, uh, his partner or not, but his motivation with other things that he's done in the past. Was he really acting in people's best interests, or was he trying to, you know, was he taking shortcuts his whole career? These um, question marks are. Like he's struggling with that internally in a way that um you don't see in the first film.
0: Yeah. I don't know if... Um, I feel like the way the film kind of laid it out there, I don't feel like he was taking all the shortcuts all the time. Right. It seems like... I, I sort of believe that the film that it was just one time. Yeah. And, but that's the domino that's going to knock everything else down and just ruin his reputation, take away his career, possibly jail time. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so I thought... The impression I got from the remake was that he was pretty much a good cop, except mm-hmm. for this one part where he was a little weak, a little yeah, he took that shortcut like you said. Um, and then obviously he shoots his partner, so and then he covers that up pretty <laughs> yeah. pretty intensely. So uh I don't know yeah, maybe he's not such a good guy. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and you know, put a put a pin in that um that statement that you said that like uh just that that one time because even that thought comes back in the play at the uh, the end of the film, um, in terms of, you know, a cop staying on the straight and narrow. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll come back to that. But um, mm-hmm. that that is a message that the film ultimately, at least this this character in the film, ultimately has for um for the audience that it just takes once. You know,
0: um, uh, that's true. That's true. Should we keep going into differences between the Two characters or talk I, about the killers?
1: I find the differences are interesting in the way that they interact with the killers. so I think to start talking about um, the differences, I would like to bring in the uh, the killer because okay. the way they play off each other kind of accentuates those differences, so we can we can do that.
0: All right. we have Bjorn Floberg, who plays John Holt. And Robin Williams, who plays Walter Finch in the remake did you want to just go into the differences that these actors brought to their portrayals
1: yeah we can we can talk about the differences um you know when when you're looking at um, at John holt I'm not very familiar with
0: the actor at all
1: um, no neither ver- am I versus uh, Robin Williams, who I'm very much familiar with um, through most i mean he's been in film most of my life and you know with his tragic end but um I don't know how I want to get into this, so I got to be. Okay, I, be I could, I could,
0: I guess I could start if you yeah. want. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Holt to me, he seemed. Um, I don't know if it's good, maybe because I don't know the actor, but he seemed, he seemed like somebody I really couldn't trust. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. obviously he's a killer; he killed the little girl. But uh, I don't know. Uh, the difference between the way he interacted with his detective versus the way Robin Williams did. I feel like, although. Robin Williams is also pretty evil in the movie. I feel like he was trying to really be friends with the Dormer character. He's really trying to show Dormer that we're really in the same, like me and you, we're in the same situation. You accidentally shot your partner, accidentally shot the girl. We we need to team up because we're the <clears throat> excuse me, we're the same person. So I yeah. think there was a part of him that was trying to be friends, but it was ultimately a deception to lower Dormer's guard so he could sort of really focus on framing the boyfriend, and really clear his name, because he didn't fully trust Dormer, but he was really trying to be buddy-buddy, so like, every time he talked to him, he's like, hey, Will, you know, there's there's towels there, you can take a sleep in my uh, apartment, the bed's really nice and cozy, Um, so it's like this weird, um, I guess, front that he had, this friendly front to this, you know, this obviously covering this darkness that he has, because he did (laughs) murder a girl, and uh, I didn't get that from the original um he just seemed more like a guy that was in a little over his head, a little yeah. freaked out, and he definitely seemed a little shady. Maybe because he was a little older and right. that just the fact that this older guy was with a 17-year-old girl it just seems much more creepy to me. Um but I that's what I got from uh those two portrayals.
1: Yeah, I felt that whole as you mentioned he he definitely doesn't come across as trustworthy at all. Cuz both characters are supposed to be like this, but Robin Williams does come across as more calculated. me he's thought of more angles part partly because uh going back to the internal affairs thing he knows about that you know he knows that um the guy's being investigated he's done his homework and he's actively trying to uh give him an out you know he's saying all right this is how we're going to like you mentioned we are in the same boat um this is how we're going to uh, get out of this and he's a little bit more active in the planning than you see john holt um Holt, to me, like you say, smart guy that went too far is in over his head. That's what I got. Whereas, um, like you mentioned, Williams is just... He's a little bit more practiced and manipulative in a way that you're just not seeing in that original film.
0: He definitely seems... uh, Robin Williams seems more calm in his calculations than Holt. He just definitely seems a little more on edge. Like, he's not dealing with it as well as Robin Williams' character.
1: No. And... I think the backdrop of Robin Williams being as calm as he is and Pacino having all his struggles changes the dynamic in a, in an interesting way, because like I said, Pacino really, in this case, doesn't have all of the answers the way that, uh, character is a little bit more active in coming up with the plan. But like Robin Williams is like putting him in bad situations. Like he's with, with the gun and stuff like that. Like, Oh yeah, already planted it. You know what I mean? Like, or, um, we're not, not already planted, it, but like he's he's sitting there and he's like, "Hey, did you check the boyfriend's house? There's probably a, a <laughs> weapon there. The Magnum, yeah, it's a gun." That character is more forceful and, like you said, planned than John Holt, who's kind of taking the backseat and, like you said,
0: o- kind of over his skis, as it were. But John Holt still does uh, plan a little bit. I think he was he might have been the one to suggest to plant the gun. In the apartment and then you have uh what's his name Erkström. yeah he uh he actually plants the gun in the boyfriend's apartment which you don't you don't get um al pacino necessarily following the directions of uh finch like that in the right. remake um there is a small difference in i guess the dynamic it seems like Erkström is going to follow um halt uh, and kind of do whatever he can for a while. And he doesn't necessarily seem like he has a plan. Like, he's just, okay, I'm going to just follow what he does, and maybe he's going to find the evidence and to to convict Halt, but, you know, like I guess, like you said, uh, a little less hand-holding. It's never sort of explicitly said in the original, but in the remake, we find out that Al Pacino was just following Finch the whole time to, until he found uh, where he cleaned up the body and until he found that dress. And once he found that stuff he was going to totally turn on right. Finch. But that's never stated outright in the original.
1: Yeah, you don't see that in the original. And there's more of a uh, push and pull between Pacino and Williams. Like, uh, they're, they're both kind of jockeying for who's sort of in charge and who's running things, mm-hmm. yeah. um, as you mentioned. So, yeah. <clears throat> the one thing I will say, though, is although he, d- he does a good job, I kind of wanted... Something a little bit creepier out of uh, Robin Williams, given this the the source material, because he's such a good actor and he's actually really good at playing like an unsettling sort of, you know, he's never like a mustache twirling (laughs) villain. He's always just like it's always between the lines. Like there's just something about the way Robin Williams can portray these types of characters, and I'll say this as well for Pacino. I I just kind of wanted more from those two because it's such a such a cool matchup with mm. such a cool source material some of the, some of the differences that you mentioned that are a little bit stronger in the remake i thought they would take it further than they did and i felt like that original film takes it far <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it definitely takes takes it far <laughs> i mean should we should we get into some of the differences of our main characters just to see how much further <laughs> the original went
1: yeah cuz i think for me the original film feels like two guys that are on opposite sides of the law, as it were, but who are like meet in the middle and are oddly similar in some very dark ways. Whereas, um, like you mentioned, Pacino is kind of biding his time. He, he's trying to, you know, he's still really trying to solve the case and figure out the next steps where I feel like Ergstrom kind of goes just off the rails in a lot of ways that you're not seeing in this remake.
0: No. Yeah, and it really got more of the vibe from the original that Erkstrom was kind of just going along with Holt, and then maybe if something came along, then he would figure out how to put Holt away, but it wasn't on his agenda like it was so much with Al Pacino's character. Like, Al Pacino was gonna put this guy away no matter what, even if he had to follow him until he gave up the location of that dress. But I feel like Erkstrom would have been like, all right, I didn't, I didn't get him, but we, I got away with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's get into some of these um, smaller character differences between Erkstrom and Dormer um, that'll <laughs> shed some light on just how far the original was willing to go. So my first note that I had here is that um, in order to switch the bullets that he shot his partner with, um, mm. he, like I said, the, the killer left the gun for the detective so he had the gun he had the caliber bullets and obviously what he shot his partner with was his own gun and so that would you know i <laughs> would put a guilty sign on him so he needs to switch these out so in problems. the original um, i'll just i'll start with the remake in the remake <laughs> he shoots a dead dog that he finds in the alley he he was sick to his stomach after lying about the shooting's partner so then he vomited on the side of the road and he found a dead dog and then he goes back later and he shoots him retrieves the bullet from his body in the original, yeah. he he's still sick. He throws up on the side of the road, but he sees a live dog. Yes, and he goes back to this live dog. Yep, <laughs> and he proceeds to kill this live dog, just to retrieve that one bullet. What did you think about that, Reggie?
1: Kind of going into uh, like I was saying, my my interpretation of these two characters. Um, th- there's this there's this weird connection that those two have in the original that they both know what it's like to go too far. And they both kind of know what it's like to take things beyond thought and put them into action. So like, he's a smart guy. He's a detective. There's other ways to get this bullet into (laughs) something other than shooting a live dog. But like, there's this, there's this kind of like hidden demon in him. You know, there's this darkness to detective Ergstrom that, um, as we're, I mean, we're talking about now. This is sort of step one in seeing it in the film. But yeah, this guy's crazy. Like he's a very capable detective, but he's absolutely out of his mind in uh, in some very dark ways. And yeah, shooting the live dog starts to show you this dark side of the character. I don't know, like like we did with um.
0: Amityville Horror. Yeah,
1: thank you, Amityville Horror. American audiences just we don't like it.
0: <laughs> you can't shoot a dog. We don't like you don't kill it. people. You can't you shoot kill, a dog.
1: You kill people uh, as long as they're not children, <laughs> and you um, you can kill werewolves. <laughs> um, you you could even probably get away with ki- shooting a wolf, but you can't kill a dog. You know, yeah. you like them too much. It's the I am Legend effect. You can hug your dog. <laughs> you can be sad if he dies, but you can't shoot it. It's a major difference in the remake. It's just kind of gross. Like there's this already decaying dog that he shoots, and it doesn't really change the way you feel about mm-hmm. the main guy. It's just like, all right, means to an end. But this other guy, like he went out of his way. He saw the dog left, came back later. was like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. And <laughs> as I mentioned before, there there's just other ways to do that. And yeah. I think that that scene was more uh, a telling sign of what was in store for this guy. Um, I guess. His insomnia, his madness was—it's yeah. manifesting itself in um, some very dark ways.
0: It really shows you the depths of which Erkstrom is really willing to go to clear his name, so to speak. And like you said, he's a smart guy; he could probably figure out another way to extract a bullet um, to make it look like uh, it was shot at a person. But he decides to shoot this live dog. It's definitely one of those—is this? It's definitely one of those moments where you're asking yourself can this character redeem themselves at this point? Right. Because you just shot a innocent creature here uh, just to save your own ass. By the way, your motivation for lying about shooting your partner isn't even that great. So it's like you're going to these extreme depths to cover your, your ass over something that you might just... I don't know exactly what his situation was, but he might just gotten like a suspension slap right. on the wrist or something. We right. don't know... Um, what was going on in Sweden before he went to Norway. But I, what we're shown in the movie doesn't seem like it's necessary to take all these extreme steps, um, for something he could have easily just fessed up to and maybe just, you know, took a pay cut or something.
1: I mean, maybe not even that. It like, look at the situation he's in. It's, it's a foggy day. Another officer has been shot. You're Mm -hmm. running after a perp. Um, you know, someone comes up on you and you shoot them, and it okay. It's your partner, but I think that given the circumstances, that you, you yeah, I don't think everyone's gonna be like, oh wow, who, who shoots their partner? I think they're gonna say, now we really gotta get this killer. I I don't know. Maybe there is a dynamic again culturally, things get lost in translation. Maybe that's like a deal breaker over there. You know, you shoot <laughs> your partner, you're done. But like, I don't get why this would be a problem because ultimately the whole thing happened because the local kind of bumbling idiot cops yeah the guy drops a freaking thermos or a glass and now we're in a fucking shootout so um i don't get it again you're right points towards internal affairs again like we know why al pacino would cover this up
0: yeah so questionable motivations and you you did something bad and now you're doing worse stuff. like way crazier Uh, shit yeah it's not painting a good picture for uh, Detective Engstrom. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough but to th- come back from shooting a dog.
1: Well, guess what, Dan? He doesn't. Because <laughs> I'm um, um, looking at your notes. Some of the other things that are very different about this uh, protagonist are... So, I mean, that's just kind of like strike one, as it were. There's, there's, <laughs> there's multiple strikes that come for this character, I would say. Strike two being um, you have more or less the same scene where the detective takes one of uh, the deceased character, the murdered classmates, out to where the body was um, was hidden. In the remake, you know, he he drives a little reckless, <laughs> you know, he plays a little little game of chicken with a truck, but you know, uh, nothing that would strike me as that crazy. Just a little bit of a yeah. Hollywood detective. Yeah, antics. maybe
0: he takes a glare at her leg, maybe, but I, you know, nothing. May that terrible you know she's 17 but he doesn't do anything unlike the original
1: the original i don't know there's like this weird uh sexual tension in the car and she's like oh show me something cool and um very inappropriately he's touching this girl's leg and then takes it even further i don't want to be too explicit here but he he's inappropriately touching a uh uh this the girl in the car and wow <laughs> you know yeah. like Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that American translation. I don't think that you can do the same sort of antics and still be the good guy in a movie. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you could have Al Pacino, the actor, doing some of this stuff in the film. I'm seeing this very dark turn from Stellan Skarsgård's character. And to me, the line between him and the killer are, are very blurred in terms of their behavior. That you're not getting in the remake, yeah it, that element I found compelling, but I also understand why people don't necessarily want to uh want their actors or star power doing that in films. like what was your take on that scene? no
0: i I wasn't prepared for that because like I said, I had seen the remake first, and nothing <laughs> no fingers went up any skirts yeah. in, in the remake, and yeah, it was a shocker for sure. To see him doing that to a seventeen-year-old girl, and I think that you you did bring up a good point. The line between him and the killer really is blurred, uh, especially at this point because you saw he's willing to kill uh, this innocent animal. Now he's pretty much sexually <laughs> assaulting this underage girl, and um, it's just it's it's intense stuff. It's yeah. you're cu- you're sort of questioning like, well, do I even care if this guy gets killed in- or caught anymore? Like maybe he should just get caught because this guy's clearly some dark shit going on i'm not gonna just blame the insomnia for this you know he could he could have been doing this forever they had sort of mentioned earlier in the film that he uh, had an affair with one of the witnesses so you you knew that this guy didn't always plan the up and up you know he, he did some some dirty things and to see him doing this to this very impressionable 17 year old girl is just another moment you're just like i why am i even right. following this guy it's like i don't even know if there's any reason to root for him at this point
1: right And uh, sort of what I was saying, the parts of the movie that I like and why you start kind of pulling away from um, the internal affairs stuff is that, to me, what's intriguing about that original film is that, like you mentioned, how long has this been going on? Is this something that he's been doing his whole life? Is Mm -hmm. is it something that he's been getting away with because he's a cop, you know? And what is the difference between him and the killer? Like, the killer and him both kind of, like, talk about... That feeling when you when you've like taken it t- to the next step and like how you can't go back, sort of. And a guy that's able to shoot a dog, who's able to um, basically assault a team and then take her into like a dump and say, "Look, <laughs> this is where they stuffed the body." It just feels like to me that he is on that same level as um, as Holtz. He just happens to have the legitimacy of a badge, yeah. um, a badge and a gun, whereas Holtz did it his own way which was more calculated and thought out but like you see so many different scenes where he's doing things that like you expect the villain to be doing and he's yes. the one perpetrating them
0: it's definitely a bold direction for a movie to go and i definitely don't see like any american main movie right. <laughs> you know walking that fine line between like is this our hero is this not our hero so, yeah, it's definitely not as much hand holding <laughs> as the remake because yeah. the remake doesn't have Al Pacino in any of those situations at
1: all. No, nah, no. Nah. I mean, all right, did he, did he drive too fast or have you been, like, not, you know, playing chicken with a truck? Mm. I actually like the Pacino scene and the, uh, I mean, they're basically the same scene, but I like the Pacinoism when he's out there yelling, <laughs> yeah. This is where they stuffed the body. <laughs> the garbage. <laughs> in the garbage. Yeah, that's great. But like, uh, also when they hide the gun, Skellen's character hides the gun under the, uh, the boyfriend's bed, and he's willing to let this guy yeah. rot in jail forever. Um, and like
0: I said, there's no clear um, idea, that, or there's no clear indication that he was necessarily plotting against Holt the whole time. All we're seeing is him trying self-preservation. So right. him putting the gun himself under the bed, as opposed to Al Pacino, who didn't do that he hid the gun in uh, Finch's apartment mm-hmm. because he was gonna turn on him so right. he we saw Al Pacino sort of sticking sticking along the guidelines of what we think is a good cop and the whole time though Engstrom is doing so many things um, well, the opposite
1: well to your point in the scene where he hides the gun I saw you have this in the notes the boyfriend comes back and he's hooking up with uh, some girl so again you got a high school kid hooking up with another high school kid and this guy's just in the corner yeah. with the craziest stare.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is I don't know, he's not looking away at all. He's not like uncomfortable. He's just giving them the like, creepiest like uh, kind yeah. of glare. It is weird, man. it, yeah, <laughs> it, it was really it, weird.
1: Especially after the backdrop of him in the car with the girl. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you got a you got a dog killer. You got a kid toucher. <laughs> you got a kid watcher. <laughs> you know, you got a guy that will um that will hide a gun under a a young man's like this kid has his whole life ahead of him. He will hide a gun under this kid's bed. That kid will go to jail forever, just so he can cover his ass because he shot his partner. Which to your uh, your earlier point, why? Yeah, <laughs> you know. But other than the fact that was this insomnia thing, I mean, it's real now. Like he's not getting sleep, and it's causing him to go a little crazy. But like, was he always crazy?
0: Um, right. When he shot his partner, he it was the first or second day, so it wasn't the insomnia that made him shoot his partner. It wasn't right. the insomnia that made him cover up. But everything since then, it's like, what is happening with you, man?
1: Yeah, like, his insomnia came from, I guess, the guilt of it. I guess also, you know, the light, of course, is a, is a backdrop in both films. The fact, they're in places where the sun's basically up 24 hours a day. So that is leading to insomnia as well. But um, I think the, the remake does a very good job of showing Al Pacino's kind of progression into getting a little bit crazier i always love when you let al pacino off the leash (laughs) and they they do like he starts to lose it um but but like like you said looking at that original film you're right when does this insomnia kick in or were you just always willing to do that and i almost forgot we didn't even talk about the uh the lady at the uh the hotel the in the innkeep as it were he basically tries to sexually assault her too
0: yeah, well, that was a little weird because she seemed to be into it at first and then he right. kind of takes a little aggressive. Little yeah, he
1: goes, a little, little, he, goes a little he goes a little
0: far. And <laughs> yeah. again, this is another very young girl mm-hmm. compared, compared to our, our main actor. And uh, yeah, it's just... It, everything he seems to be doing just leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. Like, man, this is not what a, or the hero of a movie should be doing at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's to me that, that darkness, that... I'm, I'm intrigued by their willingness to explore it and to make this dynamic where the behavior of Holtz and Ingstrom um, are, I mean, they're almost lined up perfectly. They feel mm-hmm. like very similar people. They have a very similar ideology. Um, they're both very meticulous in their plans. Like, um, like even immediately in the first scene of the movie where um, they're looking at the body. And Ingstrom's like, oh, he even washed her hair. Like, he left no trace. Like, mm-hmm. that's what he's doing. He's trying to leave no trace. But as they say in both films, you're always going to mess something up. And for him, it's the bullet.
0: Yeah. Now just thinking um, or listening to what you said, I think the original really did a good job of sort of saying that our antagonist and protagonist are almost the same person. Yeah. It's just that one guy is on, this, on the side of law and the other guy just happens to be an author. I think they do a much better job than the remake where the remake they they really do kind of clearly define that al pacino is different from robin williams character like they're they put al pacino in these situations that he doesn't necessarily go the evil route or the the bad guy route and then put robin williams in that situation especially towards the end we when we'll talk about the endings um it just seems like robin Williams is this cold calculated killer and will right. keep killing right so the it, original really does do a good job blurring the lines between the two characters. I
1: think. I think um, again uh, because it is one the major difference. The internal affairs part actually, it's pushing him into situations he doesn't want to be in. He doesn't want to go up to his partner and say, "Hey, dude, don't talk to him. Like, help me out here. We're, mm-hmm. They're putting a squeeze on me." Um, which then does that does that pressure cause him to shoot his partner? I don't know. Does the pressure of trying to cover that up lead him to start working with this killer? You know, like, all this motivation. It's not like he's actively trying to be a bad guy. Right, um, yeah. he He's in a bad situation, and it's getting worse. Um, Stellan Skarsgård is just more or less, by now, based off everything we're seeing, he's just kind of an insane person that's getting away <laughs> with uh, with everything but murder um well no get away with that too
0: mm, yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: i just i like that dynamic of the the protagonist and the antagonist being so um sort of connected in their behavior but i also think that it sacrifices some of the motivation that you get in the remake so um i prefer that dynamic between the two characters because it feels like a character study but if you're talking about a movie, I think the the remake is doing things that you would expect in a film where the protagonist gets to keep being the hero throughout the film right. in a way that just is never going to happen in that original.
0: Yeah, I'll, I definitely give it to you there. I think it's a quite an interesting dynamic because it's not one you see often in movies uh, mm-hmm. that the original has of the, the two of them pretty much being the same, just... Uh, different sides of the law slightly um but i guess i just prefer <laughs> just knowing that this guy's good this guy's our hero and then this is this is our villain yeah so i i do appreciate that dynamic but it's just i guess it's motivation like just for like an audience for like why am i still following this guy at this point like i really yeah. don't care about him at this point and i think that's one thing the remake you know as much hand-holding as it does it does like, sort of show you that like Al Pacino is you know overall a good guy and you, you do want to see if how this thing will play out for him as opposed to the re i'm supposed to the original or i was just like i hope this guy <laughs> dies or something man yeah i think
1: i think that um from a movie perspective it's just more cohesive what you're seeing in the remake um yeah. things are a little bit more defined uh the original film i think why i'm drawn towards this this awful dynamic is because it's not something you're used to seeing where yeah insomnia i've seen the dirty cop film i've seen the guy kind of walking the line i've mm-hmm. never seen it like that
0: yeah where he just he repeatedly crosses the line um so i will give that to the original but i think overall i do prefer uh, the remake um, yeah. when it comes to those characters and their dynamic overall i just think the the motivation the internal affairs thing really puts it over the top because there really is no motivation in the original for him to keep no, the, going with this line
1: no no it's it's that kind of a. Uh, it was called the original sin. It's like everything that precedes that didn't have to, didn't have to happen. Whereas like Pacino, if, if he doesn't shoot his partner, he still has problems. Yeah. And he may have, he may have manifested that in a different way, whether it was trying to bribe his partner or something like maybe something else, but there was never that clear moment where he was just a bad guy and he's still being held in high regard by everyone in his life Mm -hmm. outside of himself. Really, his partner doesn't turn on him until he thinks, you tried to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that 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 bullet is what made his partner say, wait a minute, maybe there is something there.
0: Yeah. Um, no, the internal affairs thing is definitely, uh, I think it throws in an extra layer um, that does... Yeah just make the motivation more interesting. You even remember you get that call from internal affairs. He's talking to one of the yeah. guys. He's like, "I'm really interested in hearing that report tomorrow." Yeah. about exactly what happened, and what went down. So, Al Pacino really just feels like if anything comes out about him accidentally shooting his partner, he's just it's done. He's done. He has no more career.
1: Yeah, that that's that's the nail in the coffin as yeah. as it were. Yeah, I I think that you're right that it's worth sacrificing that blurring the line dynamic that you get in the original film to kind of keep the motivation tight and together—it's hard for me. It's like I miss that element, and I think that Robin Williams, being a strong actor as he is, sort of picks up where this remake doesn't do that. Like he's creepy enough in himself that like he's an interesting character, but like I, I miss that that sort of defined evil in the protagonist. But I think mm-hmm. I think it, for the package that they give us, it all wraps up very nicely when we get to the end Yeah, of the film.
0: And I guess just one more thing. I just wanted to throw in that there's a cool action sequence between Al Pacino and Rob Williams in the room. Oh, I'm yeah, there is. Too. Uh, when they first uh, sort of meet face-to-face, there's a great chase that happens across, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but a bunch of logs sort of. Yeah, they're, they're,
1: a, they're outside like a sawmill or something yeah. like that. And there's these, uh, there's these logs coming out of the... Uh, I don't know, the assembly line, whatever you want to call it. And they're right. going down the river. And that is a very, very good scene.
0: That's a great scene. Robin Williams is um, sort of on top, running on the logs that are going down that stream. Al Pacino, he's tired. He can't quite focus. He keeps falling in the water and ultimately he falls underneath the logs. And then one of my worst fears of drowning, you know, he <laughs> just can't get up to get air because every time he tries, like the logs just crash together and keep him down there. So... An exciting sequence i think a terrifying sequence for me personally uh i appreciated that in the remake
1: yeah yeah i think the remake does a much better job of uh with the action set pieces oh definitely um, definitely um you, you know Sam scars gets his ass kicked a lot but it, in a kind of boring way whereas like this remake there's this shootout and like yeah. um you know where pacino has to sneak up behind him while hillary swings Shooting, um, shooting at uh, Robin Williams. There, there's just so many more, yeah, interesting action pieces. And I think that log thing, like you mentioned, just the sheer terror of being stuck. They portray that so well, of him not being able to find his way out and being, uh, just it, it just keeps getting worse. And it, yeah. it, fit, it feels like his own life in a way, if you want to throw that in there. Like there you go. <laughs> he, he can't find his way out. He's just covered in. Every time he tries to get out, there's more shit coming down the line. I don't know, maybe a cinematographer was trying to make that message. I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, that, that was good. I didn't, I didn't read into that until you said it. But yeah, I could, I could totally see them sort of doing that. This is a metaphor for what's happening. <laughs> yeah, It's great. Uh, do we want to go into the ending? Was he throwing it in there? Or do we want to get into more of our leads?
1: I think that we, we more or less got the leads. Um, okay. You know, there, there's some other things that happen, But ultimately, the big, the big arc is... Pacino's got the internal affairs problem and it's causing issues. Stellan Skarsgård, it turns out, like, we didn't know this, but it turns out, is, like, pure evil. Yeah. And it, with the authority of someone, like, of a respected lawman, it, that, so much so that no one knows just how bad this guy is.
0: Well, I just want to talk about the, the, the detective um, that's doing the investigation on the shooting, because she oh, does yeah. play a big part into the ending. So we have... Um, Giskin Armand as Hilda Hagan in the original versus Hillary Swank as Detective Ellie Burr. Mm-hmm. And they were assigned to investigate the shooting of the partner. And initially, they're like, oh, they're just going to follow the lead detective story of that. It was an accident. They both do some fishing, and then they kind of discover that it's maybe not an accident. So that definitely comes into play for our ending. But before that, I just maybe wanted to go into a little bit of the differences of that character. Sure. Um, it seems that between the two of them, that Hilde, Hilde had her gain, I don't know how to say, I'm sorry, um, the original, uh, she was definitely a little more confident in her job, more of a seasoned yeah, right. cop. She was, I would put her maybe at equal footing of Erkstrom, maybe, maybe a little lower, but maybe equal, more equal footing as opposed to Hillary Swank's character, the Ellie Burr, who definitely seemed pretty like new, green to this. A Mm -hmm. go-getter. She was a fan of Dormer. That those are like the main differences I I noticed between those characters.
1: Yeah, I would say that um, in the original, that character is just in the original. That character is much more capable, as you mentioned, seasoned. And uh, the big word that's coming out to me is skeptical. She's not Mm -hmm. just taking everything at face value. Like there's kind of this dynamic of you got these big-time cops that came in from Sweden who basically take over the case from these uh the the local yokels as it were and but she out of all of them is the closest as you mentioned to uh their level of uh detective skills and throughout the film she's like that doesn't add up that that doesn't add up and she's giving a lot of pushback in the way that hillary swank like you mentioned she's kind of like the the cub scout coming out and here comes yeah. the troop leader and oh boy we're gonna solve a big case aren't we she, she's <laughs> very naive and very um very uh, malleable in that way but she does notice some inconsistencies as well
0: yeah well initially she doesn't I'm just gonna go into her relationship with dormer first like mm-hmm. she almost has like a student or a mentor and teacher student kind of relationship with dormer he's, he's giving her a lot of good advice and she just says like this notepad she's writing down everything he's saying there so initially she's ready to believe him she's like all right here's this here's the report just sign it and then we're done. And then he's just like, for some reason, I I think it's just like his guilt. Maybe he's like, no, just do a little, make sure it's right. You know, go, go back in there. It could have been over for him. um, But no, he's told her to keep going back and looking for more, which again is for Al Pacino's character. Just shows you that maybe he is a good cop because deep down he wants to get caught uh, in this thing as opposed to the originals, where she, yeah, like you said, she was believing the story at first, but she definitely found inconsistencies. But she did that on her own. She didn't need any direction from anybody to do that.
1: Right, right. Yeah, there, there, is, that, um, there is that element of the, the teacher, as it were, and even when it's not in his best interest, he, um, even when it's not in his best interest, he, he pushes back and he says, hey, your, your name's going on that report, so it right. better yeah. be right. And that good police instinct is coming into play, even at a time where it'd be better if he just <laughs> let her screw up the report or yeah. even said, well, actually, maybe the gun was... Like, there were so many different outs, and he doesn't take them because, as you mentioned, he doesn't really know what his own motivation was there. So maybe he's trying to discover that in a way through this, this character. But I, I like... Personally, for me, I like the pushback in the original. I like the fact that she's um, she's you know not just letting him get away with with everything. But I do think that in the remake, because you have that student teacher sort of dynamic, when we get to the ending, there's this redemptive arc for him mm-hmm. that you'll yeah. never get in that original. <laughs> even, never. Even if that scene was there, um, no, you know, like he's done. Yeah. Um, in terms of redemption. And um, I, I don't know if we want to get to the ending yet, but I, I just wanted to point that out before we got there.
0: No, that's good. I just wanted to add a little bit to that, that it gives her character more of a an arc too. Like she's sort of this, um, just yes ma'am, yes sir. She just kind of follows everybody and then she starts questioning things. So she, she has somewhere to go with her character. Right. As opposed to the original, she's always kind of just the same. She was never really like green or anything. She was... You know doing her job, and she was just good at her job, so she was able to find inconsistencies yeah. as opposed to Ellie, who did go somewhere with her character.
1: And, and now that I'm thinking about it, too, uh, when you're saying the lack of the arc for the original, she figures it out, she solves it, yeah, and she says, I know what she did, and then well see you,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the ending, so we can right, get into that, right.
1: yeah. I didn't want to yeah. jump right into that, but I no, mean,
0: that's fine. Yeah. No, that, that I pretty much was done with what I had to say, so as you had said. Well, I'll I'll backtrack a little bit more. Eggstrom Eggstrom and Holt, they have one more confrontation in the original at a dock. Uh, He gets there. He finds it somehow because there's random pictures in Holt's apartment. And he just looks at this. This irks me a little bit. He just looks at one random picture. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go there. And he just happens to go there. And that's exactly where Holt was. So I thought that was a little, uh, (laughs) that was a bit Mm -hmm. of a reach. But Mm -hmm. he goes there, confronts him. They get into a fight. Like you said, Engstrom just gets the shit beat out of him, yep. which is weird because, like, he beats the shit out of him, and then he starts running, and then he starts to chase him, and then <laughs> through a freak accident, just this shitty dock <laughs> just breaks beneath him, <laughs> falls through yeah. it, cracks his head on a wooden beam, and then he starts to drown, and then Engstrom's just hanging over him, just watching him drown and not saving him, like, as he, you expect As he would. He yeah. Yeah. That's just his. That's his M.O. He's, he's all right. You're done, and then he eventually goes back to the house that um, Holt was in, and he finds the dress ultimately. So he's able to tie Holt to the girl. Ultimately, I'm assuming of uh, releasing the boyfriend. We don't find. We don't hear anything, but I'm assuming that Holt's getting pinned the murder, and then the boyfriend's gonna be able to go free. Um, but after that whole thing, then um, our lead detective Hildy. She confronts Eggstrom with the bullet. She's like, I know this is your bullet. And then she does just walk out. Yeah. And our protagonist, our main guy, just kind of goes home and he's fine.
1: Yeah, the the good thing about the dynamic of the first film of uh, the Sweden versus Norway thing is that uh, the bullet is clearly not from there because it's from Mm -hmm. a completely different country. And whatever the name of it is, it's, you know, where Engstrom's from. And she says, here it is in a plastic baggie. I know all your secrets. And you get that, you get him driving away, uh, seemingly to go back to normal life. And they have mm-hmm. that cool little fade out where uh, you see his eyes are all like...
0: <laughs> I don't know, I thought around. that was a little cheesy. But it's a answer. little <laughs> cheesy. It
1: felt like, um, it felt like that scene in Thriller, you That's know? That's what it
0: yeah. says, like the end of Thriller, right? it's just, just like, <laughs> oh, 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 right. <laughs>
1: It was a little cheesy, but um, you know, kind of like driving the nail through the head that um, this guy's a bad guy, and uh, <laughs> this guy's a bad
0: guy, and he's still out there. So yeah. beware.
1: Exactly. The original. I guess you want to talk about how the uh, the remake does that scene.
0: Sure. The remake does it a little bit differently. Like we said, the boyfriend was convicted, and Dormer was going to go back to L.A. after this, but then he ultimately goes to finch's apartment and then he finch was supposed to bring these letters that the girl had to the lead detective the, the ellie he was supposed to bring those letters to her and then while he while uh, i guess um dormer wanted to take in finch he was like all right i'm done i think he finally had the turn he's like all right this isn't worth it i'm gonna i'm gonna bring him in myself and just confess because i think he the the guilt just uh, got to him finally but while he's at the apartment, and obviously Finch isn't there, but he sees the letters are there. And he realizes, uh-oh, Ellie might be in danger. So he calls the police station, Ellie's not there. And then, this is another one of those stretches. He just looks in the back of a book, and then he just happens to see, oh, this is where the author resides sometimes. Oh, he must be there. Like He could have done that earlier in all his investigation. He was trying to find out where he cleaned the body and where the dress might be. Like, But no, he finds it now at this critical point. So again, another stretch. So he goes yeah. there. Well, first off, uh, Finch uh, was looking for these letters, and he's stupid as shit. He opens drawer with the dress in it and puts and closes it. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so he knocks out Ellie. You don't know what he's going to do, but you assume he's going to murder her, maybe even do something worse. And then um, Dormer shows up, and we have our Hollywood shootout uh, yep. for our big climax. And ultimately what happens is... Uh, There's seven bullets.
1: <laughs> Make them count. <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> Pacino says. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> ultimately, uh, Dormer shoots uh, Finch, but he gets shot at the same time. So as Dormer's dying, Ellie confronts him. She's like, I, I knew, but it-, it can go away. It can all go away. But then Al Pacino has like, No, don't. <laughs>
1: stay.
0: Yeah. Stay stay, gold, pony boy. Pretty much that yeah. moment yeah. Uh, yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, he, he just dies it, right there and Ellie is going to report the truth and Al Pacino doesn't have to live with the consequences <laughs> of anything. Right, right.
1: It, it's that, uh, going back to your thing about the student-teacher dynamic, he knows where he, where he messed up in life. He knows where, he was probably just like her, you know, like that Hollywood thing. He was, I was just like you. Came out of the academy fresh, wanted to make a difference and somewhere along the way I lost my way. So when she's like, we can cover this up, He's telling it right now, no, no, you got to keep that, like you said, stay golden pony boy. You got to keep <laughs> that energy. Don't change, like, be you. And um, he sacrifices his legacy in that moment. And, but to your point, it doesn't really matter because he's going to die anyway. So, yeah. you shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, a little, a little late well, to show, but hey, a late redemption is better than no redemption.
0: Yeah. and I mean, From um, a character who could be redeemed as opposed to the original, which there's really nothing he could do <laughs> to redeem himself. It,
1: and it gives hillary swank's character like he mentioned that arc it gives her yeah. you know this whole you know scenario where she gets to learn about herself and see a, a situation where you could go to the dark side as it were and um she chooses the right path yeah. presumably
0: yeah she had her sliding doors moment and decided to stay good so, mm-hmm. good
1: mm-hmm. for her <laughs> good for her so and you know no one does a um in a dark story like this no one does a still kind of happy ending like Hollywood, so they're like, hey, there's the message. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, those are our two different endings. Do you want to start with what you thought about them? or I
1: don't know. I found that for all of uh, what we saw in that original film, yes, it, it is consistent that he would watch someone drown and not do anything about it, and I kind of like the fact that he's able to just sort of walk away in the sense that we get to see this sort of, Madman that's still out there, and that, like, again, what's the difference between him and that murderer? And mm-hmm. it, it, the answer is nothing, yeah. Um, but he just happens to be a cop. I just don't think that for the uh, the female lead that it makes a lot of sense for her to allow him to just walk away,
0: yeah. That didn't that, that was
1: confusing to me, too. You know, know. like, what, well, so what for the rest of their time, they, these two know that he shot his partner. Like, are there any questions? Do you want to know why or, you know, why you're covering it up or how this happened? Or are you just going to ham his bullet and say, well, never come back, I guess? Because <laughs> he wasn't going to come back anyway. <laughs> it's a shitty town.
0: Yeah, um, well, well, her motivations unclear. But I unclear. guess I did. Appro- I thought the ending for the original was appropriate. Like we said, I, there was no way he was going to redeem himself. So I'm glad they didn't try to do something Like the remake did where he's like, no, it's okay. Uh, you can report it. I'll I'll redeem. I I don't even think that would have redeemed himself. So I I think just let the bad guy be bad and he just gets away with it and such is life. So yeah, I thought the ending for the original was wholly appropriate. It
1: it was certainly fitting. I overall like the package of the good, bad being, you know, so thin that who's good, who's bad. Um and I think that it was it was like you mentioned an appropriate way to finish the film with uh with him just still being a bad guy and just driving away with that darkness in his eyes that uh he had throughout the film, you know. This guy is cold blooded. <laughs>
0: He's
1: probably dark. gonna stop at the airport, get you know, like get a pretzel at the airport's <laughs> soda, you know, and just sit there and think about all of his crimes. <laughs> we'll probably not think about it. He seemed like a sociopath.
0: Yeah, he just goes on to the next one. He's he's fine with it. And then we have a remake. You know, I I feel like it's sort of a typical Hollywood kind of ending. You know, yeah. we have our good guy. He has his moment of redemption. And then you have him die. So he doesn't have, really have to deal with the consequences of his previous actions. And you still have that one good person who's still good. But I, I guess it pretty much worked. I feel like it was a little safe. But I, I think it kind of worked in in the remake. I-
1: I like that you used the word safe there, because I think that my biggest gripe with the remake is that you've got this all-star cast, and it it does feel very, very safe throughout. Mm -hmm. Now, it makes sense given where Nolan is in his career. You know, you got to take into account that they're not just going to give somebody a big budget, you know, big cast film like that and say, hey, keep the kitty rape shit. You know like, <laughs> like that that's just not gonna happen, dude. So, um again, everything fits, it's appropriate, but there's mm-hmm. I think if you had a different cast, I may even like have less to say about everything we saw, mm-hmm. but you've got Al Pacino, you got Robin Williams, you got Hillary Swank. Like let's go, let's swing for the fences. Even Pacino feels a little bit more muted than uh Pacino at that time. <laughs> like he this was actually kind of like a, a subdued role for him in a lot of ways.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the garbage. He yeah, had that one moment. The garbage. But he, uh, he definitely didn't lose his shit so much like he would in Heat or something. Yeah. But, yeah, it's you, you brought up a good point. This is pretty early in Chris Nolan's career. This is probably his really first big budget movie. I think, be. Be, I think before this was Memento. And this was really his, like, here's a money, here's, here's a good cast, uh, make some money with this. And so uh, I, I could understand why, you, yeah, you wouldn't keep the the kitty rape shit, and <laughs> definitely, um, I guess it is it is more of an interesting dynamic, uh, of the gray the gray line that the hero and the villain share in the original, but um, I guess the movie they were making in the remake it kind of makes sense, but I do think it, it, having him die at the end is sort of a cop out like maybe he could have lived if he had made if i think if he had lived to if she if
1: she cuffed him you know yeah if i she think cuffed him yeah i think i think that's a stronger ending
0: yeah instead of just having him die it's okay i'll fix it I'll make it all right and yeah i was okay with it um but like i guess i was okay with the original ending i think both endings are appropriate but i think the remake is more safe
1: yeah it's just one of those things where um like you mentioned, you're looking at something like Memento, which is, uh, especially at the time, a very unusual film. Like the way that it's shot and the story, how they tell it, it's a it's a fascinating movie that people still talk about to this day. And like you say, once you get your big your big budget, this is kind of like a make or break moment. You screw this up, he's not directing Batman. Yeah. So, um, I, I you know it's safe. It's not overly safe, but it is given the source material. It's uh, it's more straightforward, and I don't want to say boring, but kind of compared it's, to what you're seeing in that original film.
0: It's not unexpected. I'll say that at least. Yeah, I
1: think that's that's it. Like, it's not totally cliche, but it's pretty close to yeah cliche bad cop movie.
0: Yeah, it's as close to a happy ending you can get without being cheesy in that a remake. I, suppose. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Did you want to talk about any of the other characters? We didn't talk about the partner at all. We didn't really talk about the hotel girls either. I don't know if there's any notes you wanted to bring up about that. We already talked about the kind of rapey scene with the one girl in the original.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, uh, you do have the dynamic of, uh, the girls in the hotels that like, they're kind of in, into the, uh, protagonist, but you know, also not that much, you know, depending on how, how <laughs> you're seeing it. I think that they're, I think that that character is more important in the original film than in the remake. They talk more one. Yeah. And, Two, they do have that very awkward interaction in the original film, and it shows you just more of how bad of a guy Ernstrom is. But overall, very cursory character. And in a weird way, with as much of a major player as it is, the partner is not there long. No. There's more to do in the remake, but uh, you're still just not there long, unless you have something you wanted
0: to add. No, no, I didn't really have anything. Um, I'll agree with you about the original Hotel Clerk. I think she definitely had more to do and she was more important. Um, Her role in the remake was pretty much exposition, just to find out about Dormer's past. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, she didn't really do much. Um, But then you come to the partners. Yeah, he definitely had more to do in the remake solely because of the internal affairs connection. So that's really all he's there for. So he gets a little more to do, and he's just there in the original. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So...
1: I mean that's it. Like there, there are two characters that you, you need um, in both films mm-hmm. to move things along. But I think that our major players are the three sort of characters that we focused on in the film. Um, even like uh, even the the murdered victims in the films, they're they're not even really in the film. So you know even there's not much to say about them. I think that by covering sort of the big three as it were, we have our yeah our story and everyone else is kind of a bit player or a means to an end, as you said, uh, exposition, as it were.
0: All right, well, unless you have anything else, I think we can jump right into our verdicts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, I always get to go first.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you always get to go first. What, you want me to go first? (laughs) No, 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 do the line. Okay, here we go. Reggie, should this remake of Insomnia
1: exist? Let's see. The remake should exist, and here's the sort of exposition. The original film tells a more dark and twisted story it's willing to go places that i don't think that you would see in a hollywood film whether it's uh the shooting of the dog or making your protagonist almost um indecipherable from your antagonist in terms of their behavior but i think the remake tells the story it gives the story a reason to be there you know the internal affairs thing which overall is positive there's things about it that i don't like from a hand-holding perspective but It makes that whole arc cohesive and it makes sense. If you had something like that in the original film, you may have been telegraphing that bad behavior a little too early. But in this remake, his behavior is not very bad. So it's okay to telegraph because the question is just how bad of a cop he is. And that doesn't really change much throughout the film. I just wish that, like we were saying about the ending, I wish they didn't play it as safe as they did. Because I think that I'd be scoring the movie much higher. But it's it's a very... It's a very capable film. It doesn't really excite me too much. I don't think I'm gonna revisit it again, or you know, if I do, I'm not, you know, chomping at the bit to do so. But I think for what it did for uh, Christopher Nolan and his career, and it's not like they screwed it up in any way. It should exist. It was a decent, decent movie.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah. I think the remake should exist too. Like I said, I had seen the remake first, so. What I remembered from it was that there was just this interesting dynamic between our hero and the villain that they kind of had to help each other in a way that maybe wasn't necessarily done in movies before. And then watching the original, I was just so shocked to see just how bad, not bad, like he's doing a terrible performance, but just how evil, I guess, um, the protagonist was. And that really surprised me. And I... I guess you're not supposed to root for that guy at that point. And I I think that uh, a a lot of American audiences, especially have a hard time wanting to even just follow the story all the way through, just because of the horrendous things that he does throughout the whole movie. So I, while the dynamic between the hero and villain is very interesting, just how close they are in the original, I do appreciate the more toned down uh, stuff that they did with uh, Al Pacino's character in the remake. I do wish that the ending was a little bit different, um, but I think, I think that motivation of the internal affairs just makes a lot more sense than yeah. what was done in the original. While I appreciate the dynamic between the hero and villain, I just I don't really fully understand our hero and what he's doing the whole time. And then he's not really given any redeemable features or any, anything at all. So I think it's hard to follow or want to follow. Uh, so I think playing it safe playing it safer in the remake uh, definitely works and if I had to watch either movie again, I think I would stick with the remake just because it's um, what the guy does in the original it's just yeah uh, just, just such much of a turn off I suppose
1: yeah I mean I could see like I could see people walking out of theaters uh, you know depending on how yeah. how they played that um, it, you know the internal affairs things gives you something. At the beginning of the movie, as a hook, uh, mm-hmm. there's not really a hook at the beginning of that film. Um, it's it's one of those things where the mystery, I guess, is what's keeping you involved. But as you're unraveling the mystery, you're finding out all these terrible things about who your lead, like who this lead is. Um, yeah. it's hard hard sell hard sell in Hollywood. I mean, because those things got to pass through so many test audiences and things like that. Yeah. I don't know how you you get that one past the uh, Past the box office without it being like a more of an indie film, and this was certainly not an indie film looking at that cast.
0: Yeah, I mean, the original it's, it's a guy, he makes a mistake, he does its bad thing, and then he just keeps doing worse things, and then ultimately he gets away with it. It's a uh, yeah, it doesn't leave a good feeling <laughs> in your stomach <laughs> after nah. seeing that. So, um, I appreciate what Chris Nolan and company did with that remake, absolutely.
1: Way hey. cool, cool, that was insomnia.
0: <laughs> cool 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 all right i guess all that's left then is to figure out what we're going to do next i kind of picked this one so if you want to pick the next one
1: okay sorry about that let's see we're, we're in full lockdown mode so i don't know when the next time we're going to be able to do something live so um
0: yeah so if you want to do something a little less um of a hit i suppose
1: yeah something more um more muted because like i don't want to like start swinging out things like Scarface or anything cool that we should be
0: in person. Yeah, in person. For. yeah. I understand that. Um fully. Let's see.
1: Since we're all locked up, you want to do like Cape Fear? Or is that too Cape early? Cape Fear? Well that's kinda of too similar to this, don't you think?
0: Yeah, kind of uh let's of do a this. Uh because mystery.
1: because we got this global pandemic going on right now and, you know, things are getting crazy. Let's do uh War of the Worlds.
0: War of the Worlds? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> as long as that works for you, yeah, <laughs> it'll work for me. I won't say uh, whether I'd seen either one.
1: Cool. So, cool. Um, I won't say either, but uh, yeah, I just think that people people are cooped up right now. Things are getting a little crazy. We don't know where where the future's going. Uh, yeah, that, that's a nice little sci-fi escapism.
0: All right. Awesome. Next episode: War of the Worlds. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm. Dan Bullock, you could find us um, on all the social medias (laughs) iTunes Facebook Twitter at Retro vs. Remake Um, you're obviously watching this on YouTube right now Retro vs. Remake Um, you know if you're on iTunes please give us like 5 stars good comments there to help us grow the podcast Um, Reggie
1: (laughs) yep I'm Reggie Parker you can find me at RP Comedy on Twitter and Instagram like Dan said, you know, "Check out the YouTube page. Check out the Facebook. Uh, like, review, rate five stars preferably. And hey, if you're enjoying it, feel free to reach out to us on any of those platforms. And you know, if you got any suggestions, any movies you want us to do, let us know. That looks crazy.
0: So I know there's the Orson Welles radio thing, which we probably will bring up. Oh yeah, yeah. When we review it,
1: I figured that, right. that that'd be a nice backdrop given uh, our current climate." <sighs>
0: current climate all right Mm -hmm. great thanks for listening and this has been another episode of retro Retro versus versus remake. remake